speaking, it was done. Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. I had a next-door neighbor once. Let's call her Eleanor. Eleanor was a lifelong churchgoer in her 80s. She taught Sunday school. She was also a school teacher. And she was also very, not just very, but very, very stern. Besides being stern, she was also very righteous, and she knew that she was indeed righteous. She crossed her T's. She dotted her I's. She was a model citizen who never broke the law. She paid her taxes on time and contributed to society. But amid Eleanor's righteousness was something very problematic. You see, most everyone who knew Eleanor was afraid of her. You heard that correctly. She was very terrifying. They were afraid of her. Now, she wasn't physically strong by any means, she was not a very domineering disposition, only standing at about five foot two, five foot three, maybe with high heels. So what made her so intimidating was not her physical presence, but rather it was her sharp tongue and her shaming eyes. You see, she saw herself above others around her. She even kept score when others around her would fail to meet up to her expectations. So for example, you would not even dare mess up around or in front of Eleanor, for she would tell you what she thought and remember your fault forever, all while at the same time shaking her head in disgust and shame. She had a way of categorizing sin. Everybody's sin around her. It was in her memory. She did this so she could easily access that memory of that sin and bring it forward in her mind and bring it forward in front of others around her, those who needed a kick in the rear. Now, speaking of getting a kick in the rear, one night, I kid you not, there was a big storm. 
and a very large tree fell on Eleanor's garage. One of the other neighbors in that area, he was actually a retired truck driver, a drunk truck driver, suffering from severe diabetes. He said to me over the fence, hey, Reverend, get over here. Reverend, did you see what happened to Eleanor's garage? To which I indicated that I did. He then went on to say, and I kid you not, you know, I've been, I've been feeling really sorry. I've been feeling really sorry this morning, Reverend, for God. I've been feeling sorry for God this morning. For I'm sure that Eleanor gave him a horrific tongue lashing and a kick in the rear. Ouch. Now, with this in mind, I'm certainly not trying to be overly cruel to Eleanor. And I'm not trying to air some past pent-up emotions, some past pent-up emotions to you. But rather, every time, that I, every time that I read our reading from the Gospel of Luke, this story of the tax collector and that Pharisee, I wonder if Eleanor is with Jesus in glory. I sure hope so. I do. But I don't know for sure. You see, I would put the odds in favor of that drunk, diabetic truck driver being in glory before Eleanor. That is, if I was a betting man, and I'm certainly not. You see, Eleanor, she embodied the same disposition, the same theology, the same spirit, if you will, as that Pharisee did in our reading from the Gospel of Luke. And here is the kicker. The Pharisee, for all that he did... And achieved, he left that temple, mark this, not, yes, not being justified, not being right with God. Consider a moment the actions of that Pharisee. He declared himself to be good. He looked at his own works. He put himself in the spotlight for everyone to see. He kept score of what he did. He displayed all of his good qualities so that everyone could see it. He knew that he was higher up on the scale of righteousness compared to all those extortioners and those thieves and everybody else beneath him. Frankly stated, he was an arrogant you-know-what. <laughs> he certainly was. But at that temple that day was also a tax collector. And unlike the Pharisee and Eleanor... The tax collector declared himself to be a sinner. He looked not to himself, but to God's mercy. His head was down. He was hanging low as he stood far off in the shadows of unimportance. He declared defeat. And he beat his chest. He beat his chest in repentance. I am the sinner. I am a sinner, Lord. Now, I need to caution you and me right now as you think about this story of the tax collector and the Pharisee. I need to caution you as you consider that story of Eleanor as well. You see, the issue, the issue that Jesus is addressing is not that the Pharisee and Eleanor were wrong for fasting or giving offerings or teaching Sunday school or even being stern. Jesus is not showing us that being a religious Sunday school teacher is a bad thing and being a drunk, retired truck driver is good. No, that's not the point. He's not stating that good works are somehow bad. But instead, Jesus is showing you and me. Please listen. Let's listen carefully. What Jesus is showing you and me is this, that godless pathetic and wretched attitude, that godless, pathetic, and wretched attitude of becoming complacently pleased with ourselves is the problem. 
He exposes the problem of when you and I pridefully delude ourselves, self-delude ourselves into thinking that our good works, that our attitudes, our own puffed-up abilities somehow obtain favor with God. But we may say to ourselves, isn't God pleased with the good works that we do? Yes, he is. God loves it when we do good works for our neighbor. But when we do good works for another person, for our neighbor, thinking that we are somehow getting our foot in the door with God, well, we just insult God's grace. Oh, do we insult it. Believing that if we do something good, then God will somehow owe us for what we did is not only extremely manipulative, but it tramples upon the blood of Christ. Making the Christian faith about what we do and how we're doing it better than everybody else around us does not add to Christ's work on the cross, but it spits upon Christ's work. And besides, it's supremely arrogant. Think about the Apostle Paul. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul does something quite remarkable. This is just absolutely remarkable. It is as if, it is as if he decides to play a game with the Pharisees and the Eleanors of this world. He's actually taking them on. Listen to a paraphrase, what Paul says. Paul says this, You know my pedigree? A legitimate birth, circumcised on the eighth day, an Israelite from the elite tribe of Benjamin, a strict and devote adherent to God's law, a fiery defender of purity of my religion, even the point of persecuting the church, a meticulous, ah, meticulous observer of everything set down in God's law book. Now, do you hear it? Hear what Paul's doing? He's one-upping them. He's keeping score of what he has done, and he looks to the Eleanors and the Pharisees and what they have done, and he's saying this, I'm outscoring you, I'm better than you, I'm doing it better than you. But then hear what Paul says next. Paul then goes on to say this. Ah, the very credentials... These very credentials, these people are waving around as something special. I'm tearing them up and throwing them out with the trash along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. It's all these things I once thought were that were so important are gone in my life, gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my, knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, Everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. It is dog dung. It is scubala. I've dumped it all in the trash so that I can embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting in Jesus and his righteousness, God's righteousness. Dear friends, now it makes sense, does it not? The tax collector was not declared righteous because he was a tax collector. Instead, he was declared righteous because he knew that he was not righteous and that he needed a righteousness from another. Consider what that tax collector said and what he did. What the Pharisee and 
Eleanor's do not understand is that when they look at the tax collector, they see a sinner at the bottom. They see a sinner in the shadows of unimportance. They see a sinner beating his chest and defeat. They see a loser. But that is not what Christ sees and declares. Dear baptized saints, Christ does not come. He does not come for arrogant, self-righteous, puffed-up, spiritually-driven superstars. God opposes those who are so caught up in their pride, looking downward in contempt on others, thinking that they don't need God's grace. God opposes the proud. But when you and I declare ourselves as sinners, yeah, when we declare ourselves as sinners, when we, when we realize our sin, we're brought to repentance, when we look outside of our life for mercy, when we are defeated in the shadows of unimportance, The Lord, though, he does not somehow look over you and me. You are not forgotten, and he's certainly not unnoticed. You see, that day at the temple, the tax collector, he went home made right with God, not the Pharisee. And the reason being is this. If you walk around with your nose held high before God, you will end up flat flat on your face in hell itself. But when you are poor in spirit, when you are meek, mournful of your sins, Hungry for righteousness, the Lord does not disappoint. He has great joy. He does. He has great joy in giving you good gifts. In his word and sacraments, he gives you rich grace. He gives you a comforted conscience. He gives you joyful forgiveness. And he gives you hearty assurance, a sheer gift. And so, really, what this all boils down to is this. You and I need not care what the Eleanor's (laughs) what the Eleanors of this world think, say, or do. Why would we care? Why would we care when we have Christ and Christ has us? In fact, in Christ, we are free from the constant worry of trying to acquire righteousness through our own strength, our own power, our own endeavors. We throw it in the trash. We confess Christ and we receive Christ. This means that we get to do good works neither to impress the Eleanors of this world nor to build up our own spiritual resumes but simply, my friends, because they're good. To do good works because they're good. They're good for our neighbor. This is the freedom of being a Christian to your baptized saints. In Christ, we are perfectly free, Lord of all, subject to no one. And at the same time, we are dutiful servants of all, subject to everyone in Christian love. You're made right with Christ, period. It's Christ, period. It's a sheer gift for you. Righteous, sanctified in Christ and him alone. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with 